Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Movies. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Suicide Squad, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Typically on this podcast we like to talk about games, but, uh, you know, Suicide Squad came out. It's interesting. I've wanted to talk about this movie since I saw it. I knew I wanted to talk about this movie since, you know, we started talking about movies on this podcast, so... Um, yes, I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited to dig in. But before we do that, uh, we did play some games this week, uh, which is to say we played Rune Lords yesterday, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess we, it was, it was all RP, um, and, and, you know, it's all RP and it was us just trying to, like, kind of figure out the mystery of Turtleback Fairy, uh, the most important plot detail uh, well, two of them. First, my kid is dead. Moment of silence for dead little Kenzo. Um, no, it was, he wasn't dead, right? He just was never alive. Yeah, he yeah he got mis- mis- or miscarried. Yeah, uh, I guess. Um, aborted and then by um, the forest. yeah, aborted by the forest because it doesn't like kids. Uh, and then um, Khan Jeez. finally joined uh, the Order of Hidden Lanterns in very weird ways. I guess, uh, you know, just to, like to think about it for a second, I never thought that Mark's self-insert character would be a murderous forest. Well, <laughs> Mark famously hates kids is part of the joke. I yes, I, I think that's actually the, the entirety of the joke. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, there was, uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, there was a lot of stuff in there like, like, you know. I know kind of who Karzog is and like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I knew the answers to because I ran the book so I kind of tried to keep myself like arm's length away that way I didn't ruin the fun for anybody else so I I wasn't super invested in that session but I'm happy that everything else going forward is going to be new so I don't have to do that anymore that'll that'll be that'll make the game a lot more I think fun for me Yeah I'm definitely in a weird spot because I don't have a lot of personal connection to the whole Rune Lords thing like aspect to it um you know in other campaigns i've played it's been easier to get invested in kind of like the overall uh directive of the campaign right like for endless winter with kambe right um you know yeah it's about saving the world from this you know cult that wants to bring back a god of winter that's going to plunge the world into eternal night right sure saving the world kind of thing but on a very personal level right like Kambe had an artifact uh, that was, you know, directly channeling the power of that god um, and wanted revenge, essentially, for, you know, losing himself to, to, like, to, that, like, to that artifact. And so he was very personally invested in going and, uh, and uh, uh, slaying, uh, you know, this god of winter. Um, so I, I think I actually have an answer as to why that's happening with this game. Um so, um, it's, these are mild spoilers. We've mostly figured out most of the meta plot at this point, but, um, essentially what's supposed to happen is every event that you do, um, you, you see the Sahedron rune and the, it's supposed to be a mystery. It's like, why do these seemingly unrelated events all end in the Sahedron rune? What's kind of the big conspiracy backing all of it? Um, but both in this game and my rune Lords game, there's so, <coughs> excuse me, there's so much time between, uh, sessions and kind of like these reveals that I think a lot of the times, like as players, 
we kind of, like we miss the fact that they're this like you know that that's like the tying feature. It's like some like somebody would have to be like, hey, it's a Sahedron rune. Remember those? They're like, oh yeah, yeah I nope. remember those. I am super with. That. I mean, that was actually kind of literally what I was about to say. I think it's because um, it's it's a couple of other things like as well, right? Like this campaign got busier in the forefront. Um, th- I mean, we kind of harp on the tournament a lot. I really kind of hate harping on it as much as we have, but uh, you know, yeah, like it was a lot the, of fun as its own. But no, it definitely was right, but like. You know, when you have the tournament and tournament politics and kind of this conspiracy, go, right? There's a lot of other stuff in your face, right? So that this kind of, like, subplot of what are these, you know, what are these runes kind of thing uh, is very easy to kind of get, like, buried, right? If this were a newspaper, we would call this burying the lead, Um because, uh, you know, it, it is supposed to be the connection. And I kind of feel bad, almost, that I'm not super invested, like, personally into kind of what happens with the Rune Lords, right? Like, I'm invested in, uh, you know, I'm invested in small-scale stuff that is, like, adjacent to the Rune Lords, right? Like, you know, like my wife and the Black Arrows kind of thing, right? Uh, but there's no, you know... I, I think I think that's one of the... I'm not going to say it's 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 a misstep. I'm, I'm going to say, like, it's one of the advantages of some of the other campaigns. Like, Iron Gods, you're going to go kill an Iron God, and that's pretty apparent from, like, book two. Yeah. Um, and mean, so even, even, if we don't, even if we don't play for a month, right, you sit down and you're like, well, our overall goal is to kill the Iron God, and you've probably already built in some motivation for this, whereas... Like the kind of the I mean, the, the yeah, final Hell's boss is like the easiest option of this. Oh right? yeah, goal the goal at session one is to kill this guy who you know what I mean. With with Iron Gods, you know at least there was some time to like figure out right, yeah, like who the right. big bad is. Right, the very first session of Hell's Rebels is like, yep, that's the guy you're gonna kill in three books, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Ooh, three books. I thought this was a oof. Is oh, it? Did I, haven't I not given that away? That, the that... structure, the structure of the books is a little bit interesting, huh? Uh, well, yeah, I guess I've only ever really talked about yeah, because book three is about uniting all of Ravenel, uh, and then uh, you know stuff happens. Do I need to cut that? No, I actually don't think it's all that big of a deal. I kind of don't mind, honestly. I mean, it's your call. Um, I will probably cut this chatter. <laughs> Actually, I probably won't cut this chatter because then anybody in our group who listens to at least know that that we thought that we discussed whether or not to cut to cut it or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing I will say about it, the meta thing I will say about it is, it's no fun, right, taking over a kingdom and not having an opportunity to rule it, at least for a little bit. Okay, uh, that, 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 that's fair. So, that's fair. Um. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's. But kind of, kind of on that on that topic, right? Like Hell's Rebels, it's Bar's Life Rune. Iron Gods, it's the Iron God. Rise of the Rune Lords, you don't even know what a Rune Lord is until like now. <laughs> yeah, dude, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, and like, there's some hints that you can get. I think through like really hard to make knowledge history checks early on, but they'll just be like, oh, that was a thing. Right and like, like it kind of almost relies on the fact that if you make that check, the only reason it sticks out to you is because it's the same name as like the title of the of the adventure path. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's 
it, it, it is its own thing. But I do, I am, I am excited. We talked about this actually on the cast, maybe off the cast. Um, I am, I am excited for our climbing the mountain session. Uh, that is a trope that I will always get down and dirty for. Um, you know, is kind of making those like, I don't know. There's just like, there's really something about it. And it's one of those things that it's something about it that like, it gets me kind of across everything, right? Like, there's a quest line in... Uh, there's a couple of different quest lines in World of Warcraft where you need to, like, summit a mountain. There's one in the Twilight Highlands where you have to go do it for the Wildhammered Dwarves. Um, there's uh, the one, the tallest mountain in the world, Mount Neverest in uh, uh, in uh, Kunlai for, you know, like, you, you have to get to the top of Mount Neverest or whatever. I always get just, like, it, it's, it's such a, an absorbing experience. I always get really, like, pulled into that kind of thing. Um, so, I, I'm hyped. Yeah, no, me, like, absolutely. Um, mountain climbing. It'll also be, like, a like for me, at least, it'll be something that I'm not expecting. So, I'll, I'll be, I'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a new set of challenges. Um It'll be kind of like I think back to kind of like classic Dungeons and Dragoning. Not that not that uh, it's a problem to go off that track, but it's nice to return to kind of the basics. Roll some skill treks, probably fight some Yetis or some shit. It'll be a yeah. good time. Yep. Um, using Never- Mount Neverest as a seg- segui, um, <laughs> we also played some World of Warcraft this week. I've played a heaping helping of World of Warcraft. The uh, the big news, big thing coming down is uh, there's a new quest line um, that opens that Buddy and I both played today, um, where you discuss um, the Horde joining the Kirin Tor. Um, at least if you play from the Horde side, neither of us have played from the Alliance side yet, so we can't say what happens there. Um, along with this, uh, they nerfed the amount of XP you get in invasions, but up the rate and number of invasions, so that... Theoretically, you can get more XP from invasion, but it requires more time investment. What do you think of that, buddy? Uh, I, you know, it, it, th- these invasions are temporary, so it actually doesn't really bug me all that much. Um, I think adding in, you know, this reminds me a lot of something like a double experience weekend from, you know, like from League of Legends kind of things, or like a double IP weekend. It's like, yeah, for the next couple of weeks, right, like this, the three weeks up until Legion, it's pretty easy to level alts. By going and participating in these invasions that we've already talked about are be- as being, you know, pretty cool and pretty awesome. Uh, to be honest, it sucks being a low-level character in a PvP realm, right? Uh, you don't have flying a lot of the time. I've been killed by so many um, Demon Hunter glaives, which bounce off of, like... So, like, a Demon Hunter's throw glaive will hit two targets. Um, yeah, any cleave ability, really. Yeah and, so, yeah, and so you just get killed in these cleaves. I've been killed by AoEs, right? Uh, you know, but it, you, know, you kind of take it with the territory. It gives great gear. It gives a ton of experience. Uh, it very, it was a super easy way to, uh, level. I kind of almost think an abusable way, uh, but they have equalized things, uh, a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, what was the, the kind of running current on Reddit was Blizzard saw that people were having fun and they had to shut it down. Um, which is, I, I don't think exactly fair, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, can I just complain about some other video gaming news on Reddit? Uh, there's a big post on the No Man's Sky Reddit that's going around. Have you seen this? There's this huge post on the No Man's Sky Reddit, and it's and it's been going around. And it's all of the features that were talked about before uh, the launch of the game uh, that didn't make it into the game. 
Ah, right. Yes. Um, and even if I'm sort of sympathetic with that view, right, I have for a long time been very, very down on No Man's Sky compared to kind of the 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 lay person I have refused to get hyped here and i really want to say i really want to see how the finished product came out before i really got invested one way or the other kind of thing um but it seems like there are a lot of people on reddit who didn't do that and there are a lot of people on reddit who are doing this thing that i fucking hate which is taking kind of the uh you know, taking, like, the developer... Like, look, development is a complicated process. There are so many features that get added, dropped. You have to, you know, change them. You have to reorganize things. You have to make, you know, shunt things off to be released after, you know, like, after a street date kind of thing, right? Um, and so I think it's really unfair and really shitty to get on, uh, like, the dev's case uh, in in this situation. All it really does is kind of create an environment, I feel like, where, you know, the, the response is going to end up, essentially, uh, the response is going to end up being that people don't talk to players, right? That devs don't talk to players, that every, you know... Okay, every... so, so I'm going to stop you right there, because I've... I'm, I'm not... I'm not completely disagreeing with you. I, I do think people put too much hype into this thing. I think Total Biscuit has a has a very nice video where he goes over kind of all this pre-hype. Um, I was very excited for this game. Um, I guess I think I still am. I've heard some good things for some of my friends who are playing from the show. Monik is playing and loves it. Um, my computer won't run it. Um, even though, you know, I have a processor that's more powerful than the processor than they said was the minimum spec, but it does not like the right instruction set or something. Right, right, right. So I can't play it yet. That's one, for one thing, I think those kinds of things are, I think that's, that's kind of a pretty, like it had a pretty shit, um, PC release. I think that's completely fair. So, so, but, so yeah, so, this, this so to is bring, a... to bring it to your dev point, cause I do have, I do have a point here, um, is that. Um, kind of like watching, lo- looking over uh, the kind of overview that Total Biscuit gave and that, uh, that everybody's kind of talking about is that um, I think a big part of this problem is like Sean, Sean Murray's refusal to kind of talk about what the game actually like he would give these snippets. And then he like he said he said some things that pretty clearly implied a multiplayer aspect and, you know. I think it would have been fine if he had said, like, maybe a month ago or even, like, a week ago, if he had said, you know, sorry, but these things ultimately couldn't make it into the final cut of the game. We were trying to do too much. But he didn't say that. He just kind of, like, tried to wheedle backwards and be like, don't expect much from multiplayer. Like, everything he always said was, like, it's very unlikely that you'll ever meet another player. Not that it was impossible, which appears to be the case. Um, which is kind of the, the the big one I think that sticks out is is, is the lack of multiplayer options. Um, I'm sure you've seen the posts where the box copies of the game have a sticker over the the um, the Peggy rating on them, and if you peel it back, it says multiplayer underneath, and it says single player on the sticker. So there, that's I think that's a pretty obvious case of something that had to be cut for time, and I think that's fine. But I do think that there's a kind of responsibility. For the developers having given that impression to kind of say that before the game releases, when there's a, there's there's a, a bunch of hype building up to it, 
which undoubtedly this this game had way too much of. I mean, so you know, I I, I don't think this is this is a case of entirely one way or the other, right? You know, I I don't like being absolutist about this kind of about really. Sure. I mean, anything, right? Um, and I do, I definitely think that a part of this, for instance, I mean, to your earlier point, one million percent, I think that the the PC for this the release of this game is shameful, right? But that's not specifically what I'm addressing here. Um, uh, and I do think, and so you yeah, like, okay, I think the multiplayer one is cogent, uh, and there are a couple other ones where I'm a little bit like, eh, but then there are, there are plenty of examples in this post, um, where they're talking about hypotheticals. Could you, you link it I mean? to me? That way I can uh, put it in the description. Yeah, yeah, I, I will, I will link it to you after the show. Um, we, there are these hypotheticals that are kind of being talked about, like, you know, features that could make it in or how, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of context is things like we plan on, you know, using this or at the moment you can do this kind of thing, right? Um, and I get, and I get that people t- can take that stuff as guarantees and to a certain extent it implies right you know like guarantees but also to my ears that stuff does imply that this you know this is a beta right we're making the you know not even a beta right we're we're making the game and you know what yeah maybe at the moment right we have all of these different kinds of starships but it's you know but like for technical reasons you know four months down the line we realize that that thing is just taking up way too much of the the i don't know the video ram or something like that right and we had to cut that feature you know whatever gobbledygook you want to put in there i i i think that the people who have taken this stuff as like i am not getting the i am not getting the product that i was advertised for those reasons these are the that's the shitty stuff that's really what i'm attacking do you see what i'm saying and this is, and you know, this is something I've seen in plenty of other places too. It's not unique to No Man's Sky. It's definitely No Man's Sky is just like the most, you know, recent example of this kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I think it's one of those cases where, like, like there, there are some. I think there are some fair points in in the complaints that I've heard. Um, and then it's very easy to kind of stack every like every little niggling thing on top of that. Like, if you want to make a post complaining about No Man's Sky, you could just talk about like the the, the very heavily implied multiplayer element, or you can make a giant post about a bunch of different things. Some of the the most reasonable ones, or you could just kind of stack on every little thing that you could dig up. That way, you kind of make this big bombastic post that has a lot of impact. Um. In terms of like, I guess upvotes because you know, inter- internet points. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that, like, that kind of like self righteous fury kind of goes over the top. And I, I think that um, in both ways, it's harmful, right? It it, it it discourages developers from kind of sharing details with players. But I also think it kind of, um, like people like I, I think this is it's just, you know. Internet arguments tend to divide people into two camps very easily, and there's like going to be the camp that's like you know this is this is a this is a crying shame, um, uh, you know, and this is a uh, this is this was a, a bungled release. This is this game is terrible for it, and fail to recognize the pro you know like the 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 good good intentions of a lot of the communications and the people on the other side who are going to say you know, um. You're all being unreasonable and refusing to take the developers to task for the things that they probably should have um, been 
uh, made more clear about, and I, I think that's just kind of the nature of internet discussion. It's kind of us and them rather than a, a, a range of nuance, as it were. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, I also think that there are uh, places where, you know, I, I think the guys at Riot are very good at this. I think Jeff Kaplan at Overwatch has been uh, really solid at, at like, I, I, you know, I think communicating with players is an art form. Um, and speaking, I mean, even speaking, not even just as a player, but somebody who literally works in the community department of a AAA game, the the fear to this kind of backlash is real, right? You know, to have you know the 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 fear that i'm gonna say something that's going to be contradicted later and then kind of thrown in my face in like a scandalous way is that it's a really it's a really big deal and it doesn't incur it encourages you know encourages devs to just clam up um and i think that that's just i think that that's a bad thing right i think that marketing people uh you know this is how marketing people take over and you get and you get games that are just um I don't know, like weirdly soulless almost uh, because it is, you know, it's about the brand more than it is about kind of anything else. And maybe that's hyperbolic. I think it is, you know, to a, to a certain extent. I'm sure if I re-listen to this in a couple of months, I'll be like, geez. Ugh. But, um, yeah, I I, uh, I, uh, I I wanted to call that out as I saw it, I suppose. I think that's fair. Um, and speaking of Jeff Kaplan... Um, there are some new changes that they announced for season two of Overwatch um, that I'm very excited about. Have you seen these, buddy? I have seen the changes. I, to be actually kind of honest, I am surprised. Uh, excuse me, that the changes are this comprehensive. It's funny because I, I'm used to kind of a league schedule where you get massive changes once a year. Uh, but every you know, but it kind of makes sense when your seasons are only when your season is like an actual season, right? Like. You know, the summer season ends on on uh, you know in August, kind of. I don't know. It may it makes a lot of sense. I think. Yeah. Also, to be fair, this is also the first season, so I think we'll we'll naturally see the the severity of changes go down as the seasons kind of progress. Um, for those at home that don't know, they're getting rid of sudden death, which I think is the single best and most needed change. Everything will either end in. Um, either end definitively they're going to put timers on hybrid maps um and uh push cart maps and th failing though failing those resolving in in a de definitive ending there will be ties on ties you will get partial credit to facilitate that system competitive points are multiplied by 10 as are costs so you will get 10 on a win um and i it's been rumored five on a tie zero on a loss a golden weapon will cost three thousand and um the only other big thing there is that your your points will be multiplied by 10, so you don't have to worry about missing out on any of that. Skill ranking is going from uh, 0 to 100 to 1 to 5,000, um, and uh, you will always gain or lose whole numbers when you rank, when you, uh, uh, when you play a game. And um, instead of being your rank, you will be divvied into divisions, much like StarCraft II or League. Um, it's bronze, Silver, gold, platinum, diamond, master, and grandmaster. Um, people in the higher leagues will decay, um, and you will not be able to decay, to fall out of your bracket up until diamond. Very similar to League. I don't know how StarCraft works. I've heard it's similar to that as well. Um, 
I, I think a very good set of changes overall. Um, uh, you know, I'm definitely with you. I think that the changes are solid. Um, they make they make a, a hell of a lot of sense to me. Um, I am almost a little bit worried at how kind of cavalier they are sometimes. Um, you know, if if I'm a you know if I'm somebody who's been like farming competitive points to try and get you know my gun or whatever it is. Um, you know, 300 competitive points, whatever the number of competitive points is. The way that this, you know, the way that this in, this interacts with that makes me just a little bit nervous. Um, I definitely would want to make sure that I'm not losing out. I guess. Um, I, I think they pretty explicitly make sure it doesn't it doesn't cause any negative interactions. What 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 potential negative interaction do you see? Oh, I I, I don't see one. It's just that this is the kind of thing that makes me nervous, right? Oh, okay. Um, it's not th- this isn't this isn't uh, you know what they're doing now, and I'm sure you know they they have a pretty good track record of being smart about this kind of thing. Um, but I could definitely foresee a situation where you know a big change happens and it kind of screws people over to a certain extent, uh, and that you know that would kind of bug me. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um, because they, you know, because these are huge changes, and yeah. we're going to be going through pretty big changes. I, th- you know, I think to a certain extent, um, we are. Uh, we, we, I, I think to a certain extent, we're seeing growing pains, right? Uh, sure. As we're getting, we're getting stuff together. Um, but I just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I agree with that. Um. I think that's all about that. The only thing I kind of wanted... So, did you play any other games this week, buddy? Before I launch into my couple last things. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Uh, um, Real quick, I played League again. Ooh. Oh, I, boy. I played, uh, I played explicitly to play Kled. Kled's a, a, a ton of fun. I've been I enjoying a lot. Even, I don't even know any of his abilities. I don't. You don't have to explain them here. I'm just letting you know. This is how yeah. like disconnected I am from League of Legends right now. He's like, he's his character concept is basically go ham, um, or rather Fair that enough. that's his like that's his uh, that's his kind of play concept and his character concept is like redneck kind of insane general type. He's really fun. He's got a lot of personality. Um. What else? Um, and the other thing I really wanted to call out is I've been playing this mobile game called Reigns. Uh, I forget who develops it, but it's published by Devolver Digital, which is how I found out about it because I love Devolver Digital. Okay. Um, and uh, and it's uh, it's uh, the what to kind of describe it in a sentence. It's Tinder for Kings. Um, and when I say Tinder for Kings, it's kind of it's 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 not a dating app, but it's it's a, it's a game you play as a king. And you have to make a series of decisions, roughly correlating to swiping right means do the thing, swiping left means don't do the thing. You have to balance the forces of the church, the people, um, the army, and your economy. Um, and if any of them hit minimum or maximum, you, uh, you you die, and then you play as your successor. The objective is to rule for as long as possible. Uh, there's a bunch of cool mechanics in there. I think it's really well done. It's got it's charming. It's well illustrated. And it's three bucks on the on the uh, on the mobile stores. It's also on Steam if you prefer it that way. But um, I don't think it would hold up particularly well to an extended desktop play session. But it, for me, it's like perfect for like toilet play sessions and stuff like that. Fair enough, I guess. 
Um, if uh, Pro tip for those of you Android users out there, um, if you sign up for Google surveys and you do them for a while, you'll probably have $3 after like a month and you can get it for free. Um, because Google will pay you for your opinions, like 40 cents in Google Store Play credit. <laughs> Most people use it for like Hearthstone packs or I guess now Pokemon Go incense things. Um, but you can also use it for games directly. Um, but yeah, I think that's all of the stuff I really did with my week. Um, oh, I played a game of 5e over the weekend. Um, and not to go too deep into it, but I think that system is lovely. It's got a lot of cool simplifications. I think that are particularly well suited for newer players. Um, Things like there is no touch or flat-footed AC, which is a change I don't like. But there are things like, um, you know, spells are all kind of... Uh, to give you an example of a change I really like, your kind of utility spells, like your tensor, Tensor's Floating Disc and your Detect Magic, right. you can cast them so that it takes a slot if you really need it on the spot. But you can also cast them as a ritual, which takes 10 minutes. So, like, you know, not castable during combat, but not really any amount of time at all outside of combat. Like, except in, like, a tense situation type of deal. Right. So it lets you have access to those spells without burning your spell slots on them, which I think is a really cool idea um, for your utility spells. Um, wow. Uh, okay. I've, always, I've You know, I've always wanted to dig into, into 5e. Were you were you playing with Chris? I saw yes, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, I was playing with uh, Chris and friend of the podcast, Alexio. Shout uh, out, well yeah, as... yeah. Shout out to uh, friend, friends of the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Alexio was there. Was yeah. uh, did, did Enoch play? No, Enoch, Enoch had to get his wisdom teeth out or something, okay. or like a consult for his wisdom teeth. Um, everybody, I don't know. Find Enoch on the street and ask about his wisdom teeth. Um, but uh, is that is that going to be like a more a more steady thing playing five e or? I think so. Um, and so I'll report back when I get deeper into the system because this was kind of like. I played it like, you know, we play a one-shot at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. You know, don't really know the rules. Go with the GM stuff. Don't really dig too hard into the system. Plan on digging into it later. So uh, I'll have more right, to report well, on that yeah, going I, forward. I guess we'll put a pin on that. But uh, yeah. I guess Suicide it's Squad. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where to uh, – I don't really know where to start. Uh, I actually I, yeah. do because I actually, I actually have a good segue for this. Okay, Speaking of Dungeons & Dragons – there was a moment about, like, 20 minutes into the... First of all, spoilers um, for Suicide oh, yeah. Squad. The, this is the wee-wee-wee <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler yeah. warning <laughs> right here. So something was, was striking me about how this ensemble felt a little bit weird. And then it struck me that, like, this group felt like a D&D group to me in a lot of ways. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to lay this out for you. So the, the, the way this came up to me was when they the, the group gets introduced to Katana, and um, Harley Quinn extends her hand and says, and says, please to meet you, in kind of that weird, obnoxious way. Yeah. Um, that, to me, was like, she's just like, like, like there, there are players like that. The one that kind of does, like, you know, yep. amusing, bordering on disruptive. Um, and then I started to fill in the other things around it, which are a little bit weaker, but it made a lot of sense to me. You've got... The guy who's there to role play seriously, that's Deadeye. Um or Deadshot. Wait, that's Deadshot? Yeah. Deadshot. Okay. Because he, he, he gets a lot of story to him. Um you've got the one 
who's there to kind of be goofy. That's Harley Quinn. You've got the GM self-insert. That's the uh, the colonel that's leading them. Uh, Stryker, I think his that's name is. That's Rick Flag. Yeah, Rick Flag. Rick Flag. Um, uh, who has a, a hot waifu, who's the villain. Uh, classic GM self-insert there. You've got the weeb, who won't play a real evil camp character in the evil campaign. That's Katana. You've got the guy who showed up and said, I want to hit things real hard. And he said, come up with something unique about your character. He said, he's a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got the generic evocation mage. Um, and wow. Th- <laughs> you know, I have to say, I actually kind of think, uh, I kind of almost don't, you know, I, I think this is an intriguing concept. Uh, but I think the way that I would kind of call it out would be a little bit different going but, uh, down the line. Uh, let me hear your thoughts. This is well, so, okay, so for instance, the guy who wants to roleplay to me is, uh, is El Diablo, right? Because oh, okay, yeah. He's he's like Fortis, right? He's one of those things where he's like, oh, I killed my wife. I killed Fair my enough. wife and my kids, and now I cannot fight. And they're like, God damn it, El Diablo. Fucking roll, <laughs> a, you know, an attack spell, please, right? Fair and enough. he's just like, no, my wife, kind of thing. And then I kind of think Deadshot is the weeb, right? He's the guy that gets on top of the car. It's like, oh, mm, oh yeah, fucking crit. Crit, 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 you know what I mean? Like, he's the in the thing dealer. with the training dummies, right? I love this moment, by the way, where he's just, like, shooting the same spot on the training dummies over and over and over again. That, to me, is a power gamer, right? I agree yeah. with you on, I definitely agree with you on Harley Quinn. I definitely agree with you on, on Killer Croc. But I think those two um, are a little bit, uh, kind of, like, a little bit swapped. Um yeah, that's funny. I do. Uh, I do find that amusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like, just to kind of like launch into it, I think to kind of down that line, I think part of the big problem. So I'm going to start out with with my base opinion. Okay. I I thought this movie was like astoundingly mediocre. Um, what? What? Can I just ask what? What astounding? What what is astounding to you about how so, mediocre this movie is? Batman v Superman is mediocre to me because there are some high moments, some really good high moments, but they're counterbalanced by some really dumb moments. Um, Suicide Squad is just like meh almost the entire way through. Um, Interesting, and, and that that's what makes like it is. I think it's very hard. I think most kind of bad movies or like mediocre movies fall into this kind of like. You know, you you end up having more bad moments than good moments, and so it bring, brings the the movie down, or you know, have an even number, which is still bad. Um, I think it's very rare to kind of rare to kind of find a movie that has a lot of like whatever type moments to it, and I I felt that way about Suicide Squad. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but what what did you what, were your, what was your base opinion? You know, it's it's tough. I you know. Um... I am I am on the side fairly firmly that I that I like this movie. I don't think it's super great. I think it's pretty, you know, 5 out of 10, right? Middle of the, you know, like middle of the pack, right? And if I and you know, like a 5 out of 10 being like a true 5 out of 10, not like a, you know, like a video game kind of 5 out of 10. Um in my mind, you know, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad does some things that might that, that you know it, it causes me to give it some points, right? And so I'm like, oh hey, I like this, but you know, here's the point. Oh, this is cool. Here's the point. Oh, you know, man, I would love to see more of that. Here's the point, kind of thing. But then it just it, it is hampered by all this other stuff that kind of bring it back down. Um, and that's how it kind of you know it's it, the high moments are eight out of ten. The low moments are two out of ten. 
right? But at the end of the day, they just kind of, you know, it's oscillating back and forth and the, uh, and the kind of average of all of this, of all of this stuff is like, is a five out of 10. I actually explained this to a friend of mine by saying this movie is like 51% good, right? Like it just, just like a hair got onto the, onto the good side for me. Uh, I was really having, I, you know, it's funny because I had almost the opposite experience. I was oscillating back and forth between, Oh, I like this. And Oh my God. Right. This is terrible. Um, and so I found myself kind of, you know, treading, over and then stepping back across the kind of line of I like this movie, I don't like this movie, I think this movie is good, I think this movie is bad kind of thing. Uh, and in the end, I think that the ending is strong enough just, like, by, you know, I mean, just, like, barely it, it to kind of push me into good territory. But, man... It's it, it was it, that was a it was a fight you know I I you know I have to say also that um I think this movie got cut to shit I think this movie just got absolutely you know like I'm pretty sure that they gave it feels like a movie that they gave a fairly solid amount of footage to like the editors and the editors just like tore that shit up right like like three Komodo dragons and you know. Five pounds so, of beef, right? Like, just, I, I like, think the story is, is they gave it to a bunch of different groups of editors to cut in different ways, and the one they went with was one cut by a uh, a trailer editing house. Yeah, I, I've read a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, I do. That is exactly what happened. There's been references. They actually referenced multiple cuts of the movie. One of them that I really like, which is they called the dossier cut, where everything is chronological, like straight up from beginning to end. So you start off with June Moon finding, you know, like this this amulet. That's your cold open, and then you kind of go through all of the you know all of these big villains get like put away. Suicide, you know, like I think that would have been a much much better presentation i i it was insane to me that they introduced deadshot three times in this movie yeah. right they introduced him in a flashback and then she introduces him to this group and then he introduces himself to rick flag right i was just like i can't believe you're doing you know like and it's, and it's not even like i don't think that stuff is good right i think the stuff in the flashback is good i think the you know like i said my my the high point of that movie to me is that bit with deadshot you know just hitting the uh hitting the targets i think that that plays really well and that's great right um i think that his stuff when he's in the prison getting you know getting kind of shit on right i think that's all super cool and everything but you gotta cut something because it's the same it's the same beats yeah. right and I just ah, oh, like it's so, so frustrating to watch that kind of thing. So I, I've I've got a, a similar thing, um, but first I, w- I want to ask you a couple questions before I launch into this because this could apply to to these characters as well. And this, this is kind of like a weird meta point, and that's less about like the, the quality of the movie itself, but it bugs me a lot. Um, does that shot have superpowers? No. Okay, he's just a really good shot, and he just he's just really really fucking good. Okay, I could still believe that he's valuable on a squad. You give him a kryptonite gun, and you shoot Superman. Does Captain Boomerang have any super super? Okay, yeah, I, I, uh, okay, no, no, he doesn't either. But they, this is really fun. Okay, so to me, the biggest failing of this movie, I, on top of the fact that it is cut to shit and it's just like the editing was just god awful, right? But like from kind of almost oh, real, real quick, that's the one I forgot to give you. Um, for the D and D party, Captain Boomerang is the guy who took exotic weapon proficiency. His entire personality is an accent. Um. <laughs> 
That's true. That's fair. That's fair. So Sorry. I think the point. biggest kind of failing to this movie, um, in terms of what it kind of could have been from uh, it, it is like the specifics of kind of the action. I think that, you know, I, I, met, I made this comment in Facebook and you got on my case a little bit about it. I think the action is like well shot, right? I like that the camera's planted. I like that we get our long takes, right? Um, uh, it is very clear kind of what's going on from like a minute to minute right you know second sure. to second frame to frame kind of thing and i think that that's kind of the right way to frame action like this but to, the way to be cl- fucked just, up okay. just just to be clear for people i i didn't have a problem with the action in this movie so much i had a problem with you shitting on the action in star trek beyond okay um but anyway I, I, well i mean yeah i mean actually you know it's funny because i think that well i'll explain this in a minute because uh, <laughs> okay I sorry think those sorry. movies are interesting kind of like foils in a weird way but um so the 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 part of the action that gets to me is that this movie was shot like or like the 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 action was written not shot like die hard or like lethal weapon right where we live in the real world and the and the real world is kind of what dictates what people can and cannot do and i think one of the reasons that you know superhero stuff has kind of exploded is because you can really go nuts with the kind of action that you can portray on on the screen right you can have spider-man web slinging around you know, into guys. You can have right these kind of bare knuckle five v one brawls with 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 Batman, who's using all like all this kind of crazy mixed martial arts stuff. Plus all of his like you know super cool like pick them off one at a time fear crap. Right? You can have you can have you know Superman throw Zod into a satellite and then have Zod throw that satellite right back at Superman. Right? You have a huge variety in how you can kind of portray this action because we all kind of know it's a superhero film, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily kind of line up with what we think of as reality. Suicide Squad is too conventional. The action is too conventional. When Deadshot gets up on that taxi and he's mowing down all of these dudes, they fucked it up so bad. How many times does he have to shoot these little, like, these putties? This guy is the best shot in the world. What should have happened, right? He gets on top of this thing and he's, and he's shooting and he's shooting, you know, pow, 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 right? And then you're cutting and you're watching these gooey fucking putty heads explode because this is Deadshot. And of course, every single one of the bullets that he fires is going to be a headshot and it's going to be a really satisfying like you know like headshot or whatever right um but that's not that's not what they shoot what they shoot is he goes up there with an automatic rifle and just kind of sprays and prays right um harley quinn just kind of randomly beating thugs with baseball bats and to be fair i kind of think harley quinn gets the best of this also katana um but i feel like harley quinn like the action that you want from from harley quinn like in a fist fight it should be like slapstick right it should be a three stooges routine right that's that's it, you know, like that, that, that's how you make her fighting style over the top, unique, superhero-y, right? Super, superpowers land exists, and we want to get our characters in there. Captain fucking Boomerang. Captain Boomerang is one of those gadget villains, right? Where he has a freeze boomerang and a net boomerang, right? And all these different kinds of boomerangs. I basically only saw one boomerang, and it was a knife. And then at the very end, he has a boomerang with a bunch of explosives that he doesn't even throw. Oh, he, he just... Yo- he also has the very clearly is a GoPro on a quadcopter boomerang. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, and uh, and that just ah, it just kills me that these guys, uh, you know, kind of didn't get 
uh, action unique to their powers. The only exception to this, and the fucking best exception to this, I guess, is El Diablo, right, who gets to just, like, turn into, uh, like, an Mayan skeleton and fucking, like, you know. See, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to point out that that moment's good, but so there's this there's this moment where, um, you know, we, we kind of, where we're, Deadshot pushes him over the edge to do something, right? And it's supposed to be him breaking it, and he shoots these jets of fire out of his hands. And that scene didn't seem super bombastic to me, right? Like, I like that that scene just felt kind of like he shot some. Like, it didn't seem like to be like the explosion of power that I think it was supposed to be, right? It seemed very tame in comparison. And like, I guess that's the way like two flamethrowers shooting out of a guy's hands would would, would maybe work, but like. Like, so well, I thought I thought the Mayan scene was very good, but I thought I thought that his his first scene was was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I think that's true. I think honestly, it comes down to kind of the staging in that in that scene, right? I think what you really want from that situation is you want like a whole fuck ton of putties coming out of nowhere, right? Right. Dead shots out of bullets. Katana's you know exhausted. Right, you know, like Harley Quinn dropped her bat somewhere, right? You know what I mean? And that the only, you know, like the only thing left is to get, you know, Diablo to kind of blow, uh, to kind of blow up, right? Um, this, it just, like, they were just like walking and some random, and some random putties showed up and, Di- and Deadshot kind of like gets on his case a little bit. It was, it was kind of very awkwardly staged. I do, I do agree yeah. with you. Um, um. Kind of to to roll it back into kind of the, I, I think that you know the fact that it's kind of very normally what was what would you describe it realistic normally conventional shot, I think conventionally I shot, um something that kind of stuck out at me even throughout like the movie right? like this this is this you know this isn't even fridge logic this is something that occurred to me in the movie is like why the hell is Harley Quinn on this team she's literally just a crazy person with the bat like. She's, like, she's not a good marksman. She doesn't have, like, a quirk like Captain Boomerang. She's not, like, a crocodile or a pyrokineticist. She's literally just a crazy person. Um, and I don't really think that, that fit fit well with, like, Amanda Waller's narrative that they need super people to take down other super people. She's, like, and I think that if they had made her fighting style more cartoony, it wouldn't have felt that weird. But it's really just, like... Like, the, the the most impactful, like, the thing that she does kind of is she throws a gun. She throws her gun to Deadshot to take a shot with. Like, yeah. I, like I, I just, like, I know that's the, 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 that might seem kind of nitpicky to you, but it just, like. It no, was, I, you know, honestly, I, I actually don't think that that's all that nitpicky. I kind of had the same thought, but I just kind of, like, put it away because I was like, all right, movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that is definitely one of those things that I kind of file in the back of my head as not all that great. Honestly, I think that's something you could also just solve with like a single line too, right? You know, all you need to do is have. I think his name is Dave Harbor. Uh, he was just in Stranger Things too, but I, I'm pretty sure you you have this guy ask you like, what what on earth do you have Harley Quinn on the team? And she goes, Oh, Harley Quinn. You don't, you know, like, you haven't seen the Harley Quinn that I've seen. Yeah, she doesn't have any powers, right? But, you know, we need we need someone unpredictable, someone who can, you know, I don't know what it is, right? Kind of, like, yeah, think, sure. on the, think out, you know, she is the, old, you know, like, 
She's the wild card. She, so, yeah. She's the wild card, right? She's like the 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 ultimate soldier who thinks outside the box, right? I think you can get you can you can sell me on that, right? You just need a line for it, which they didn't have. Um, yeah. yeah, I I, th- I think the reason that it bothered me so much is because um, she either gets as much or maybe even more like of these backstory flashbacks as fucking Deadshot, um, and she's it's it's like. And some of them aren't very good. Like the whole thing where she dives into the vat with the Joker is just kind of what? Like that scene didn't make a lot of sense to me. I have heard in posts that it's a reference to like a specific comic book thing, but they don't give like a like an ex- a sentence explanation of what the hell that was. I mean, yeah, the uh, the specific reference. I mean, like Harley Quinn is is the Joker's psychiatrist who falls in love with him, kind of thing. And eventually, she does take you know the the Joker falls into like the chemical bath, and that's why he's all fucked up or whatever. And sure. so he dunks her in the same vat essentially uh, in order to recreate right that. Um, right, I so- actually kind of like that moment because to me, so uh, from what I have heard, by the way, behind the scenes, this has is part of like the intense cutting of this movie the joker harley quinn relationship was much different but i actually do kind of like that they cut around uh and made and made it so that you know like joe the joker actually like really cares about like harley quinn right um you know his motivation is getting you know his motivation is getting her out of prison he literally you know sacrifices essentially himself in order to get her uh to safety right i thought that it was kind of like not like touching because this is suicide squad and kind of nothing is really all that like touching um but it, you know like it, it it's a moment with pathos to me uh that that i don't know it's also i think because margot robbie is good and she kind of sold me on some of this stuff um, that, you know, of how good it felt for her to almost take that leap of faith and to have him jump in right after. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what was going through my head since I didn't understand the reference initially, or I thought I did. Okay. Right? Like I am my, my biggest thing with this is, is Jack Nicholson's Joker. Um, I haven't seen that movie in a while. Um, but he falls into a vat and it's pretty clearly painful, I believe. And he comes out when he's the Joker. Right. And so they have me when she jumps in. I'm like, okay, it's a vat. They pushed him into a fucking vat. All right, I get that. He jumps in after her. Still got me, right? He pulls her up. And the thing that really kind of lost me is that they stood in it when they kissed, right? Like, if he had pulled her out and she had, like, started to burn or something, would have made more sense to me. But they just kind of stand in it. I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess it wasn't a vat of acid then? Like, the, the like... I know this is this is super weird and super specific, but the fact that they just kind of stood there, like, was like, oh, I, I guess I'm wrong about it being deforming. I don't know what this scene was about, um, which is, is really weird that it had me, like, I guess on the right track, and then it kind of lost me. I, I don't know if there's a common experience, but it just, it just, it just, I don't know. It, it, it bothered me. I sat there for a second. It was like, what, what, what the hell? What, what did I miss? You know, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. That didn't, that didn't bother me. I, well, I, you know, in a weird way, I actually kind of expected that, right? And I think that that's why she was apprehensive and kind of fearful. Um, but that the fact that her transformation, so to speak, wasn't painful, kind of just elevated that moment as being weirdly sweet. I guess. Okay. Um. 
because because you know like I think that you know like she you know she she's afraid she doesn't want to be dropped into a vat of acid right she thinks she's in over her head and then the Joker right I don't you know like I don't know it's it's definitely weird I don't really want to look too deeply into okay. kind of the relationship politics because I don't think it really stands up to all that much scrutiny he tries you know he tries to effectively sell her body to Common but also I don't know their relationship I think it makes sense that the Joker and Harley Quinn would be swingers right but like I don't want to think about that right you okay. know I mean? actually actually I, I do want to stop on that for a moment because this is okay. kind of leads into my my thing about what about how I felt about Jared Leto's Joker. I thought that scene was great. I thought that was like, like you know, a very weirdly crazy Joker, being like, being like you know, like you want, I'm giving you to her, and he and comments like, you know, comments very clearly like, uh, you know, is this a test? You know, what the yeah, fu- what the fuck? And I, you know, and you know, it seems like the Joker's being crazy. And I thought that was a great kind of, um, you know, that was a very different portrayal of the joker and that was very unique and that was very special to this version of the joker and i really like that i think that the joker in the rest of the scenes is either trying too hard to be either you know debonair jack nicholson joker or um uh what's his freaking name um the the dark knight joker um ledger yeah Heath ledger joker there are a couple moments where like he does some things that are like that, that seemed straight Heath ledger to me and i was like you're gonna do that Okay, and then there was like he's sitting in the suit and he's being weirdly like, like you know, gangsterish. And I'm like, oh, you're going with that Joker? And then he does the 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 the, the common thing. I'm like, oh yes, more of this, yes. But I didn't, I didn't get any more of that. And so I, you know, I, you know, interesting. I, I, so I like this version of the Joker uh, well enough. You know, it's not transcendent, but I think the Joker is is a little bit like Batman. And then there are like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of right ways to be Batman, right? It doesn't bother me that Kevin Conroy, Batman, the animated series, Batman, Christian Bale, right? Like moody Batman and Ben Affleck, right? Like rageaholic Batman, right? Like those are all like correct versions of Batman, even though they don't, you know, they're not one-to-one um and i think that the joker kind of has the same thing and so i was appreciative i i, I suppose See, I, uh, I i agree with you going i, I agree with direction. you i agree with you but i think that you have to be one joker and not three of them which is what i think well me. so the the problem to this joke well i don't really see the comparison to jack nicholson or to heath ledger to be honest um in like i yeah, i thought he was actually kind of there were times where he was kind of explicitly like denying almost kind of those jokers right like like this joker is clearly a thug who does not mind being a gangster right whereas the heath ledger joker clearly felt you know like that he was above that right like and that you know he had just as much disdain for these you know like these mafia organized crime guys as you know he does for you know like the the police or whatever um and i really appreciated that this version of the joker like yeah man he hangs out in a fucking strip club that he fucking owns and he makes you know his crazy weird girlfriend fucking like dance like that you know like that's the kind of like i don't know i i i definitely like that um I guess I didn't necessarily see the Jack Nicholson one because that one always seems very kind of like anachronistic to me. Yeah, have you ever seen like this is a random question. Have you ever seen like 1930s gangster movies? No. That is precisely where the Jack Nicholson 
uh, Joker comes from to me. Like, that moment in time, that kind of look at, like, the mafia or, like, you know, Chicago gangland kind of 1920s mythology or whatever. Whereas this Joker was much more modern. Um, right. I, so I, I think I'd have to watch it again to kind of, like, note down the places where it felt like this to me. And maybe I also need to rewatch the Jack Nicholson Joker because I might just be – like, my memory might be yeah. fuzzy on that because I haven't seen that in a long I, I time. I mean, I, I definitely see how they kind of overlap to a certain extent because, you know, obviously they're both – Obviously, they're both happy being gangsters or whatever, but because one of them is like a thoroughly – yeah, fair enough. One of them was such a thoroughly modern and the other one was like so thoroughly kind of like retro. They didn't necessarily overlap too much for me. I I like that this – I honestly like the idea like this Joker like sells drugs. You know what I mean? Like I could totally see that. I could totally see him like put out fucking like heroin and, you know, maybe 5% of, you know, like – of the shit that he puts out is just crazy fucked up Joker gas and it'll kill you, right? Like this, that that's a kind of Joker that I don't think that we've seen really ever or in a long time, and so that's what that's one of the things that was appealing. Whether or not Jared Leto, you know, I think Jared Leto was kind of a wash as like an actor to part, uh, but. Uh, I don't know. You know, I have to say, I actually like the, the characters to me are the strongest part of this movie. The thing that really got had me come down so hard, um, not so hard. I didn't come down very hard, but the thing that like gave this movie a lot of points to me is how good I thought basically every single character was. Really? Yeah. Like, no, I seriously. thought that like El Diablo was one note. Killer Croc had nothing. I love El Katana Diablo. cries at her sword once, and you're like, what the fuck? Katana's basically the worst, but even she's basically okay. I I, 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 th- I thought everybody but Harley and Deadshot. Oh, man. So, I mean, I really like Harley Quinn. I really like Deadshot. Well, I want to take this a piece at a time because I think about – I've thought about this. Okay, so here's what I love about Harley Quinn. <laughs> this is the thing that got me to get on board with Harley Quinn, and it is 1,000%. This is, part, by the way, in comparison to Star Trek, right? This is something that really sold me on Suicide Squad and kept me engaged, even though it was kind of very brief like fits and spurts because you know when the the characters are doing character stuff that was engaging to me and then the story started up again i was like oh this story is fucking garbage right um whereas with star trek um i thought all of those characters were i mean you know i i definitely think that spock and kirk are compelling characters when played by I've watched enough kind of periphery Star Trek to know that Leonard Nimoy can play Spock really well, but Zachary Quinto, I'm sorry, my friend, you are not Leonard Nimoy, and you're just not going to get me to care about your, like, fucking relationship with Uhura. Um, but anyway, you know, so um, wow. so here's here's what got me to like Harley. I have I have a lot I want to talk about Star Trek, to be honest, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there if we have time. Harley Quinn got me because um, at first I was a little bit pissed. I was like, God, these fucking one-liners are like – terrible right like there were just like one or two in there that i was just like oh this is so bad when she said killer app i almost i like i almost like walked out okay 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 but then and she has a whole bunch of these throughout the movie but like i can't even remember the specific one but at one point she makes like a like a hardcore dad joke it might have been killer app um she makes this hardcore like dad joke but she has this like just like super shitty look on her face and like it, that re- i like i laughed my fucking balls off because like 
you know, the joke on the page, the joke is written, was not funny, right? But, like, the way that she said it, in kind of the way that, like, I make bad puns in, D like, D&D, &D, and I'm specifically, like, I'm making these groaners because they are that bad, and I'm just leaning into it really hard. And we all know that these jokes are terrible, but I'm just gonna keep fucking telling you. That was exactly what I got. For, you know, like, she just has this, this, like, look on her face, like... Like, yeah, man, I'm not stopping. I'm going to be hitting you with these bad boys all day. And I just, ah, I love that. I thought that was super funny. Um, Deadshot I loved because Deadshot and uh, Deadshot and El Diablo, I think, are the kind of one-two punch that they're the, they, they have the emotional core of the movie. Um, See, and I, I don't think Diablo gets enough screen time to really, like, di like dig into you, right? Like, he, it felt kind of... Hollow, like, you know, he's got, I won't hurt anybody. And then you've got, like, the bar scene. And then you've got, like, he dies. And uh, it, it didn't, it just didn't, he didn't hook into me the right way. Like, I, I didn't have enough time to care. I can't quite tell if this is because I predicted his story accurately. Um, but, you know, you know, I, I like that he was, I like that he was, uh, I don't know. I actually, I, I just, I don't know. I really like Diablo. I thought, I thought kind of Diablo was the character that like David Iyer really cared about the most, right? Um, and uh, and I think that I don't know. There was just, I I I felt for him, right? You kind of feel bad, and I really, I felt my, I was just empathetic to what he was, and I basically knew, right, that his powers got out of control, uh, and. Uh, and he killed someone. He, you know, he he hurt someone he didn't want to hurt. I, I kind of like, I kind of got that. And then you, it's revealed that it's his wife and kids, which is like, you know, the kind of obvious answer. I don't know. I just, I really liked, I really liked El Diablo. And then I thought, um, the, I think that the team dynamics between these guys, right, from like a relationship level, wasn't super great. Um, this wasn't like Guardians of the Galaxy, where you can really feel this team gel as a team kind of after uh after like the whole big thing in the skull and you know when they're working together as part of the prison or whatever right those relationships are really strong in that movie but in this movie the characters are good to me but the the connections between them um are a little bit more tenuous um and then and then you had Deadshot and I think Deadshot and his daughter I mean it's Will Smith right like the guy oozes fucking charisma and he's really good at playing this kind of thing where I just kind of you know yeah he's you know a contract killer piece of shit but he really you know like he really cares for his daughter I and thought his I, daughter that, was a fucking shit actor I thought she was terrible especially coming uh, off of Stranger Things where the kid actors are fucking fantastic oof I thought that I just thought she was like she was like, she was like, Daddy, no. I was like, really? Like, I yeah, get, I, I get I that know. it's a kid, but like, I don't know. It really took, like, it really I didn't even, I honestly, it. I honestly didn't even notice, but I also do kind of expect kid actors to be shit. Uh, and I hadn't watched Stranger Things beforehand, where the kid actors are, like, legitimately amazing. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't really know. I don't know. I, Maybe for me, it's just like a lot of these little things kind of like building up to this weird um, kind of like, I don't know. It's all kind of like bothered me in a lot of little ways. Like Killer Croc, I think, has a neat personality, but you get like three lines of it. My 
by the way, my favorite scene in the entire movie um, is when he gives a shitty version of the Bane, you know, adopted by the darkness bit. He says, uh, I live underground. You're all just tourists. And then he crawls into the water in the stupidest way possible. Yeah, I, I, I laughed for like 15 seconds straight. And the guy and, and the person I was watching the movie with had to ask me if I was all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that there's a good way that a person can run on all fours and just like sell yeah. that. I mean, it looked, you know what? I, 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 I think it I, looked like a crocodile. Uh, um, you know, that's fair. I think that they actually did a great job. I loved that he, I loved the way that he swam side to side, right? Like in the water. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was sweet and that looked great. Um, I kind of hated that they didn't, they just kind of had him like flailing around. This is part of my like, them attacking, P, or th them doing action in the wrong way. Um, he just kind of like flailed around a lot in order to do like damage to people instead of doing specific things like slicing at them with his claws or like chomping into them right you get like one good chomp shot i think in the whole movie and i was like really come on Fuck yeah really? um similarly boomerang throws his boomerangs like twice he's usually just like using them like knives which is like what the fuck yeah, that, fucking Captain uh, Boomerang. This is exactly what I mean. Uh, I have to say, I actually liked Captain Boomerang a lot. I like Jai Courtney. I think uh, he. So to, to me, the superstar performances are the the Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Jay Hernandez, and then Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. These are the people that like carried it. Who, who's Jay Hernandez? Is he Diablo? Jay Hernandez is Diablo? Um, and then uh, what I love about Amanda Waller. I love Amanda Waller, first of all, as a, as a, as a character. And I, I also love that this Amanda Waller is, like, she is the worst of everyone on the Suicide Squad, right? Like, there's redeeming characteristics to basically everyone. But, like, Amanda Waller just, like, shoots her own people, like, without giving a shit. And I love that. Because I think it really, you know, um, so I think it kind of, like, backed up uh, the fact that at the end of the day... I, so the, another another kind of strike against Suicide Squad is that the villains were pretty uninteresting. I thought Kara Devil Devil Nine or whatever sold Enchantress as much as she could, um, but like it, you know, this isn't if, if for comparison uh, in Star Trek Beyond where the villain is basically the only compelling character. Um, I disagree with that heartily, but hey, we'll get to that later. Um, I think that I think that everybody gave, like I don't think I think everybody gave a pretty good performance but I think that there just wasn't enough there's enough character time for three-fifths of for most of the people there um like um you know like when Katana cries on the at her sword it's super jarring and it's like what and then when she decides to join them in the bar it's like why and i think that like you know given a couple more minutes of character development like i don't think any of this is on the actors i think it's all on the writing like giving a couple more minutes of character development that would have made more sense but there but just wasn't there i also think to kind of your point about amanda waller being evil i too really like that except there was this i think that it was kind of fumbled because there was this one point in like kind of around like the like you know the the you know villains assemble scene um that like everybody's just a giant piece of shit and like i like it's 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 so bad that i'm like i 
yo, I hate everyone, right? Amanda Waller's a bitch. Rick Flagg is a self-righteous asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, you know, while he, you know, and he's, like, being the self-righteous prick while he knows full well that, like, you know, it's his girlfriend causing all of these problems. You know, all the villains are still shitty villains at this point. And then to top all of that off, you get introduced to, like, Native American grapple hook man who is very clearly going to die within 15 minutes. It's so, I mean, I don't begrudge the movie that one because I do think that it's important that, like, yeah, dude, they're fucking willing to just blow your fucking head off kind of thing. See, um, I would have but, liked it if he at least got, like, a ha- like one of those, like, you know, file intros. Like, he's one of the people on the team. Like, even if it was just, like, 30 seconds of it, so it wasn't so fucking obvious exactly what was going to happen with him. Yeah, I, you know, sure, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I That, you know, that one just didn't bug me all that much. But but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It was so clear. Because so many of these people, like, are, like, legit movie stars. You know what I mean? Like, Jai Courtney just starred in Terminator, right? You know, obviously, Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Viola Davis just won an Emmy. She has, like, a huge TV show. Joel Kinnaman uh, was a big character on House of Cards. He starred in the RoboCop movie, right? Like, basically, everybody is, is like, a name, almost. Um, and then you have fucking... Adam Beach playing Slipknot, who's, like, not even it's just that, like, you know, okay, like, Karen Fukuhara, I think is her name, um, is also kind of coming out of nowhere to play Katana, but, like, at least Katana is, like, someone I can, like, vaguely recognize. She was on Arrow, right? You know, she's been on very recent uh, uh, iterations of the Justice League, right? Um, But then you just, you know, you have Slipknot, and it's like, the last time Slipknot was relevant was, like, as a one-scene bit in a miniseries from 2005. Like, clearly he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Also, like, I didn't even know his name was Slipknot. You know, like, I just... Ugh. Fair enough. Like, it, it's... Ugh. I don't know. But, but like I said, that that was, like... The kind of moment where I was like, what am I supposed to care about? Because everyone's a piece of shit. Um, But yeah, I I think that, like, they needed, like, kind of, I guess it was supposed to, Deadshot was supposed to kind of, like, hold you through it with his daughter stuff. But, like, it just, I don't know. To me, it was kind of a one-two punch of Deadshot uh, and his... I mean, really just kind of... Like, everybody had little moments of this, right? The Joker-Harley Quinn stuff played for me. Um, the the Deadshot stuff played for me. The El Diablo stuff played oh, for me. Oh, b- by the um, way, I loved the... the I loved this, the, the little scene where you know, Harley Quinn and Jared Leto are... Or the Joker, rather, are normal people and having, like... A normal life. Oh yeah. Um, and I th- I thought it was super. F- I I I can't quite make the joke, but like Jared Leto looks like, um, like looks like Norman Bates, and you know there's that whole like Christian Bale is Batman, like, like I like th- there was a moment there, and I couldn't quite crystallize exactly what amused me about it, but it amused me. Um, you're right, and and I, and I like that kind of everybody, um, even you know like even. This is obviously played for laughs, right? But even uh, Captain Boomerang being attracted to Katana and her, like, shrugging him off. And then he has that, like, pink unicorn stuffed animal. That stuff was, you know, that that stuff kind of, like, got me on their side to a little bit. Even though everybody's kind of a huge piece of shit. And then you have Amanda Waller, who's just, like, 
fuck everybody, right? Like, but, but, so, the, so the whole movie's about covering her as even, even, even uh, Enchantress, right? Like, you know, like for what it's worth, I think Kara Devil Nine, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name, um, uh, really, uh, she didn't have much to work with, but she did her best, I think, um, in kind of getting across how, like, freaky a thing it is to surrender your body to like this 5000 year old you know what i mean i thought yeah. that, that 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 played for me it's uh it's just uh like the uh, uh the, the the pink unicorn thing kills me because like they never explain what the fuck that was i was like oh boy this is gonna be a thing and it wasn't it like i think took a bullet for him at one point or like an arrow or something right um but like they never explained what that was about, and like it, it's like what? Why isn't this here? like that? That felt to me like something that was left on the cutting room floor. Like what the fuck was up with the pink unicorn? Yeah, no, that definitely was, uh, and that killed me. Something that I felt, I felt the same way. Um, yeah, it, it that, just that's killed the, because yeah. like this is, this is like nothing for like like a bunch of these characters that I want. I want to like. I want Killer Crocs. I want to hear more Killer Croc, you know, one-liners about how he's beautiful. Um, and, and, and... <laughs> I love that. I thought that was – that was the moment that I was like, okay, Killer Croc, you deserve you you deserve your spot in, like, characters I like, Land. Right? Yeah. Well, he was kind of the – he was kind of the sore thumb until that moment when I was just like, who – you know, like, this is entire – who I, I don't give a shit. And then he has that line um, and the line where they're like – they're like, why did you live in the sewers in the prison? He's like, because I asked. <laughs> right? that just, I don't know. That really got me on. Uh-huh. Uh, that got me on his side. See, see the, the thing. The thing there is like, I, I don't think it's fair in all aspects to compare this to Guardians, but I think it's kind of as like an ensemble movie. Like the ensemble, it, it's it's fair, and like there are like a couple moments for a lot of these secondary characters to you know, um, you know, kind of get their 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 kicks in. And, like, they're just so few. I just needed, like, a couple more from each of them. And I think no, it would have been totally, so much better. You know, it's like, what I, it's something I love about, uh, something I love about Guardians, which, uh, which you know, I'll, I'll always feel bad about that movie. I was very down on that movie when it came out. But uh, as, as because that was just kind of because, like, I was reacting to everyone going fucking bananas for this movie when I thought it was just all right. But then I revisited and I was like, ah, this is actually kind of better than I thought. Um, but one of the things that I really love about that movie is that little monologue that Rocket has where he's like, I never asked to be made, okay, right? Like fucking scientists prodding me with this shit, you know, like I, you know, I, I think if each of the characters in Suicide Squad had had that moment, right, like a little 35 second, right, like plugged for kind of this is my character, right? This is why you should care about me and, des- and pathos. Here, have some pathos, right? I can get I can get down for that, but I thought that that was lacking for m- yeah. m- everybody except for really Deadshot, El Diablo, and Harley Quinn. I think. Yeah. See, I think I think it even fell short for El, El Diablo, and, and maybe your earlier point. Maybe it's because I did kind of see where they were going with it, and it felt very tropey to me. But um, I, I think that's kind of where. Like, we kind of get this differing opinion where, like, that really killed a lot of this for me and made, made me not like the like the characters as, as – as, or, like, I didn't not like the characters. I just 
didn't have enough time to kind of bond with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally, uh, yeah, I feel that. Also, I think that this is, the, the, a lot of this, to me, I think is a little bit of me, like, almost kind of filling in the blanks and making inferences. For instance, I think that if you had scrunched together the relationship between Rick Flag and Enchantress, um, you would have gotten so much more mileage out of that than having it, like, be these, like, you know, it's like 10 seconds and you barely have time to kind of orient the fact that you are now all of a sudden on a different side of, right, like of the story before they cut away from it, which just was like, that to me is bad editing, not bad character work. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm also, I'm also not as inside baseball with film as you are. So, you know, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. A lot of this is me, like, kind of almost seeing what, like, could have been and saying, okay, the footage is all there in the movie to make me care about Rick Flagg, even though that, even though it's, like, assembled in a god-awful order, right? To me, the it's, it being assembled in a god-awful order is an, is an editing mistake, not really a character mistake, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, um, that, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I guess to me what's more important is the end product, which is, like, I don't care as much about the character. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, it's funny because because you know we have fifteen minutes, so I don't feel bad about talking about Star Trek. I had almost like an opposite experience in Star Trek, where I really liked the twist at the end of Star Trek. I thought that that was great. Um, I thought that Star Trek had a, a much more solid story and structure to it. Um, but the problem was is that I just I couldn't get invested in any of these characters because they were all so poorly acted. Um, really? You kind of had – well, so – okay. So here it is. Everyone except for uh, Kirk and Jayla was bad to varying degrees of bad. Some of them were terrible uh, and some of them were just kind of fine, right? Some of the – you know, for instance, Uhura is fine but she doesn't get any – she doesn't do anything. She doesn't get anything to work with. She doesn't really say anything of me so why do i care about that character i don't kind of thing right then you have kirk and jayla who at the very least give you something kind of to work with jayla's whole thing with like oh my parents like that didn't really play for me but i like that she had a, a solid personality uh and then chris pine sold me on his like ennui about being like oh this is just another day where i open up my closet and there's all these yellow fucking star trek shirts or whatever and then you have uh balthazar whatever right crawl who's good he's like really really good um but even though crawl is like really really good he's only really good because of how bad he was before um like kind of the point of crawl is that he's kind of a like an obnoxiously one note very run-of-the-mill villain who's kind of like laughably you know evil i mean he has he has he has an ethos right but it's it's so obvious and so ham-fisted and you're just kind of like oh this is so uninteresting and then oh man he's the first captain of starfleet right and all of this shit that he's been talking about he's talking about you and the humans right and that played for me right but that kind of doesn't erase the fact that i spent an hour and 35 minutes with him as like functionally a shitty character only for it to be reversed at the very at like the very end and i'm willing to forgive that because it it really works i think it's really i think it really does work uh but it doesn't kind of like forgive the fact that i was yawning because i was just like oh who cares right like for this kind of middle second act bullshit see i i found like the kind of like 
I found the action in itself to be compelling enough. Um, but like, I'm kind of curious cause the notable names that you've kind of like left out are Spock, McCoy and, uh, Scotty, I guess. Um, what's your issue with like, particularly with, with, with Scotty. I, I love Scotty. I thought he was great. I thought, uh, you know, he doesn't have an arc. He's just, he's paper. He's just like a paper mache character. Right. And you know, it's very good paper mache. I, yeah, he, he kind of has the same problem as a lot of, uh, I, I've talked about this in the context of like Disney movies, like Marvel movies, uh, and like in star Wars. Right. Um, where he's got a, good personality but there's kind of no character underneath that he's all he's no there's no psyche right you know there's no i i don't believe that that's a real person so yeah he makes me laugh and he has pretty good one-liners and i like him he's likable right but that doesn't make him a good character to me it just kind of is uh, like see i, I always i i kind of saw him as like the kind of like m- moral center more or less right like the the, the guy that like you could count on to to be consistent. Like I, I do think that Sulu and and uh, and um, was it Chekhov? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Sulu and Chekhov were, were kind of throwaway. I, I will agree with that. But I, I do think that like Scotty really kind of held, like, c- kind of like the was kind of like the the idealist almost of, of of the movie. Like the guy that you didn't have to worry about. Like I think the fact that he didn't have an arc was okay because I think you need somebody to not like then you need somebody to kind of be like that kind of like baseline to kind of to, to, to roll against um maybe I'm crazy but I so I, I mean I really you know yeah I, I definitely get that I like I definitely get where you're coming and I definitely think that like arcless characters are important right and they and they work uh you know especially if in like ensemble pieces where you have support you're like yeah maybe you can't support an arc where scotty feels insecure about his ability to repair this ship but then he gets over himself right um just as like an easy kind of like throwaway small thing that they could have like otherwise done um i and there are definitely places where you know, I think Car- for for instance, Lois Lane in Man of Steel doesn't really have an arc, right? She starts out on Superman's side and she ends on Superman's side, but that's also kind of fine because she's dr- she's driven and motivated and makes kind of like real decisions, which include real mistakes that also are in line with her. She she feels like fleshed out to me, right? Um, where where that stuff. And, you know, she gets more screen time than Scotty, so maybe this is a little bit unfair. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of – I see, don't know. See, see, Scotty seemed to feel like the like the kind of like spirit of Starfleet bit for, like because, you know, Spock and, and Kirk are like, oh, I'm going to leave Starfleet. Or, you know, like Kirk is Kirk is thinking of retiring to a desk job. Spock is like, I need to do my thing with, with, my, with my people. Um, and Scotty's like, the Starfleet stands for the Starfleet, and we are a family, Jayla. We are a family. And and that all, you know, that, that kind of, I don't know, that, that worked for me. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm cur- that- uh, so what I'm really most curious about, I think, is what you hated about Spock. Because, like, I I was not <laughs> on board with McCoy initially, and he, he won me over eventually, but I understand why you might not like McCoy. But Spock, you, you have to explain this to me. Uh, I, you know, I like Spock as a character. Uh, I think, like I said, like if this was Leonard Nimoy, I, you know, you, I just don't like Spock as a romantic 
I guess is what it comes down to in a lot of cases. Like, like I understand. I mean, and this might be a thing where I'm not a Trekkie, right? I'm not a Star Trek guy. I haven't seen all the episodes. I've probably seen like on balance, maybe like 10 or 15 lifetime. I've seen wrath of Khan. I'm very out of context. I've seen the other Star Trek movies. I mean, they probably influenced this. Uh, I think the other Star Trek movies are average, which is the first one and God awful, which is the second one. Um, what, what do you think of this one? Uh, I, this one is good. This, so this one is like good. This one's like seven out of ten. Okay, um, I really. And there's like a very specific movie. reason why I bumped it. Uh, initially, I came out of it and I felt like that was precisely like Suicide Squad, but like the opposite. But then I kind of warmed to it as I thought about it a little bit, um, and I'll explain why in a second. But uh, the thing about Spock is, uh, you know, maybe it plays for the fans because Spock was never a romantic on the show, and so now you know, like him and Uhura is like some interesting like alt universe fiction thing storyline that they can like really sink their teeth into that's kind of a fair enough i i understand that kind of thing i i like it in my you know like in my pet pet universes and stories when i get to see that kind of stuff work or whatever um but like i you know he just doesn't he just doesn't convince me as a boyfriend or a lover i don't really think romance has all that much of a place in this franchise to begin with i think um and I, I, that's kind of always Spock's thing, though, isn't it? Like, you know, the the Vulcan who shuns all emotions learns the value of, of, of emotions. Okay, so so here's the thing. Maybe if you wanted to do that, I actually like this a lot in Wrath of Khan, right? Because the emotion there is about his, like, fr- the, the love of his friendship, right? He and Captain Kirk are best fucking friends. And that's, and, and that, you can sell me on that, right? Um, but I, you just, I just am not sold on their relationship. I also think that this movie takes their relationship for fucking granted, right? Where it kind of starts you off like already having bought into it. And I understand that we've already had two movies where you know yeah. they're a couple or whatever. Uh, but I don't think that it necessarily. It, it, you know, maybe maybe this is just because I'm down on the first two Star Trek movies compared to the rest of the world because I don't think their romance really plays in those movies either. So I walk into this movie and it's like, see, they're in love. Here, have all. This is what their character arcs are about. You should care. And I'm just like, nope, sorry. Like you no, can't, no, so, you can't. So, like so that might be fair. Like I haven't seen any other Star Trek movie. No classic ones, no none of these previous ones. And so when that happened, I was kind of like, oh, they established this in a previous movie and I will accept this because I have not seen those and I have no reason to doubt it. Um, and so may- maybe that's why I, I didn't feel the same way. Um, but I did, like, I, it just, it seemed okay to me, right? And, like, the, the, the you know, the, the conflict that was brought about, it, you know, do I... Do I do the thing I kind of want to do, or do I do the thing that is my duty to my species? It seemed like a very, very Spock slash Vulcan storyline that that made a lot of sense to me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I get that, and I like that ish, but I don't think Zach. So the other half of this, I don't think Zachary Quinto is all that good of an actor, which really sucks. Uh, because to be honest, a couple of years ago, I was like, this guy's gonna be a movie star, <laughs> and I was. Wrong. So, uh, so, so, how much of that is do you think is like Zachary Quinto being bad, or like Spock supposed to be like this, like cold? Like, do you, you like? I thought he just he did Spock well. I think Spock's a very weird, char- like a very weird character to portray because he's supposed to be very cold and frigid and kind of unnatural. The thing that kills me about Spock is he doesn't uh, about Zachary Quinto is that he doesn't have the proper gravitas 
to kind of sell it, I think. Okay. Uh, I mean, the, you know, Leonard Nimoy oozes gravitas, right? You know, he's got that super deep voice and those, like, yeah. that, like, long, uh, like, those, that, the high cheekbones with, like, the long face. It really, really, you know, like, uh, he, you know, it, it, it's like a dad thing almost, right? Um, but I don't think Zachary Quinto hits that. Uh, and so he just comes off not – it just doesn't work for me. Um, I don't know that there is an actor I can think – I mean, weirdly, Joel McKinnon, I actually – or no, Joel McKinnon. Uh, Kinnaman? Uh, no, yeah, Mc- Joel Kinnaman, yeah. Um, Joel McHale. Because uh, I, I, I like Joel Kinnaman – uh, uh, yeah, right, Joel Kinnaman. Uh, I liked him a lot in Rick Flagg because, you know, it's funny to a certain extent because he's got kind of like a lithe figure – for what his voice suggests of okay, him. Okay, yeah, I see right? what you're saying. Um, because he has, like, a super deep, uh, not quite, like, gravelly, but, like, a huskier voice. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch has the same thing. I think Benedict Cumberbatch could kill his Spock, right? If you if they had had nailed Benedict Cumberbatch's Spock, I would think I would... Yeah, I think, I think I agree with that, if only because, like, also he's got those... His eyes are a little bit wide set, and that really gives into like the alien thing too i think that would have been a good good picture yeah i mean this is yeah this is kind of uh yeah so uh and so that's why spock spock to me is like the worst he just like he's where this thing bottoms out but i actually think that you know it is funny though because i think that the story is good and the script is good and so he gets good moments despite himself right spock opening up the you know the the kind of like last will and testament possessions of ambassador spock and pulling out the picture of the crew that was a very heartfelt moment and that's a great you're like that's a really great moment right and i think that maybe there's a world where you cut that with benedict cumberbatch and he's and it's that moment soars right but as it kind of stare like as it kind of stands like sure that moment is great but also i don't give a fuck because you know zachary quinto has killed his character i also think a part of it is because they paired um zachary quinto and carl urban who i think are kind of natural b-men more than kind of like buddies in a weird way i think carl Urban plays when he's against chris pine and i think spock plays ish plays better but not really actually uh when he's played against chris pine because chris pine kind of like he just has screen presence and charisma um but when you put spock and and mccoy next to one another that neither of the neither of those actors are charismatic enough or can take over to get me invested uh, see i, I disagree sense. entirely i i've loved carl urban since uh since dread um and i i i think i th- that all that worked for me that kind of like weird like hate love thing that they that, you know like the the weird buddy cop kind of thing they had going worked for me perfectly I, I, you know, I, listen. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on Carl Urban too much. I like him a lot too. I've liked him a lot since Dread as well. But Dread, he, he's the supporting character in Dread, right? Like he's the main character, right? But the character with all of kind of like the pathos is, and is, stuff is, is the, the chick. Yeah. yeah, is the psychic chick. And so I think I think when Carl Urban plays Aomer to an Aragorn, right? Or Dread to the psychic chick or Bones to Kirk. That's where he's great. That's where he that's where he soars, right? Um, but when you try... I mean, this just happened uh, with a TV show on Fox, I think, where like he was like the main guy or whatever. And I just don't think he's... I don't think he's a main man, right? I don't think he's a, he's a leading... He's a leading guy. I think he's a supporting guy and he should kind of like stick it out as these kind of supporting roles. 
Uh, see, I, I if I, I were to, you know, two cents there, Carla Bond, just in case we paid attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't know. I disagree. I think it was great. I like Zachary Quinto, like Carl or Bond or Urban or however you say it. Um, I, don't know. I, 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 mean, I, I really know. enjoyed just, this movie, yeah. and I really enjoyed. I, just, you know, we're, we're winding down the time, but I really wanted to to shout out to that fucking surf scene. I fucking love that shit. I gobbled. I it was it was silly. It was nonsensical in a lot of ways but like scene? it was the where the, they surfed the ship on the wave of things while playing sabotage oh yeah no that was great that that totally played first of all first of all sabotage was a great choice uh for obvious reasons uh second of all i thought the starship designs and everything was just like really awesome i thought that that uh, like all of that stuff was great um I, I was very down on the action on this movie when it came to people because uh it was oh it drove me nuts um he kept rotating the camera around the action but the composite like this is a very technical thing um the the costuming wasn't built to kind of emphasize contrast and like a term called like parallax right where you have like two things move like where you have like things moving at the same time if you have a red costumed person against a black background um and you spin that camera it works right because there's a lot of contrast between like red and black as colors um but what i felt like with this movie was like there was this guy who was wearing like you know dark gray armor against gray stone and you're like whipping the camera around and you're trying to show me like his action but like the the combination of the movement and the colors being similar and the action and the action kind of being whatever um meant that a lot of it was just like incomprehensible uh uh to me uh the thing that i do want to highlight about this movie the thing that really really sold me about this movie though is how much they like worked together as a team i thought that was great i thought that was the thing that's probably been missing out of all of these star trek movies the most right where it's like you know sulu can you hit this strap okay great cool wonderful uh we need more power to the thing oh scotty can you get us this power oh no nah, blah, you know and you're kind of bouncing around um yeah, the, 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 there were like three or four. There were three or four bits of that, and that I think is the core of what makes Star Trek awesome. It's exactly what it's like the exact kind of experience that I had when we were playing Empty Epsilon. Um, it's the exact kind of experience I think that you should be looking to replicate in you know in Star Trek. Uh, and I thought that they really did a great job and knocked it out of the park with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think there was a there was a great moment. Where they all like in turn kind of like say some words about this like vaguely nonsensical trekno babble type thing, and then they go do the plan, and it was great. Um, yeah, I, I loved I loved the plan. This is what I think. This is what I mean by a strong story and good structure. Um, you can get really invested in like their planning, right? Uh, this is something that's also very true of Stranger Things, where. Um, you know, th there was, there's a lot of moving pieces and there's a lot of complication going on. But watching these characters figure out how they need to approach each individual encounter and obstacle is a really compelling thing. And that's something you can only get when you have, you know, good story and good structure, right? Like, it's it, 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 being able to make that kind of scene work is the difference between uh you know for instance i mean they they did they tried to do the same thing in suicide squad and failed because like you know they just wasn't it just wasn't compelling um comparatively for on like a story level yeah so 
So I think that's a good place to, to kind of cut it. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, um, I guess, uh, yeah. By way of uh, way of preview, you heard us talking a little bit about Stranger Things. Um, that will probably be the topic of next week's episode unless something dire happens because we both saw that and we both, uh, spoilers, really liked it. Um, but that'll be for next week. Um, tomorrow, probably today, probably after this, or probably before this podcast goes up, uh, we'll be playing Hell's Rebels, and then the next Monday is uh, Rise of the Rune Lords, and then hopefully Hell's Rebels again for the next week, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm really excited for Hell's Rebels tomorrow. I came up with a interesting tactic that I'm going to field tomorrow, uh, I think, and I'm going to see kind of how that plays. We could talk about it on the podcast next week. So Okay. Um, if you want to email us about what you thought of Suicide Squad and Star Trek Beyond, you can email us at subderpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash subderpsplaygames. You can watch our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter and join our Facebook group. All those links will be in the description. Rate, subscribe, do all those good things, leave comments. We love them. Um, and uh, that's all I have. you have anything else you want to plug, buddy? Nope. Uh, I am, I am uh, good to go. Uh, thanks for tuning in, loyal listeners. Until next time, dear listeners. <laughs>